Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome to Working in Yoga. This week is a solo episode with me, and I am talking about something that I have been thinking about within our industry for a while now. It's called our collective grief. Okay, so stay with me. I've had these series of interactions over the last few months that have really gotten me thinking about our collective grief as an industry of yoga professionals. Before we get started, I'm going to tell you, in case you didn't know, I'm a yoga therapist by trade, and before I really settled on my niche of helping women deeply care for and love themselves, I spent some time helping folks who were grieving. And I wouldn't call grief a specialty or niche of mine per se, but after a while, dealing with folks who have complicated grief, you do learn a thing or two. Many of the interactions that I've had with yoga folks recently have been with people who talk about what we as a yoga industry should be doing. And they also simultaneously state these feelings of nostalgia for the quote unquote good old days of the yoga industry. Let's define those good old days as the late 90s and early 2000s, because that's what most often when I'm chatting with people, what they're referring to. And I am here to say that our nostalgia for those days, the yoga industry in the late 90s and early 2000s, that's unprocessed grief, complicated grief, if you will. There's another group of folks who I've also been talking with who are feeling betrayed by the industry at large. They felt like they were sold a bill of goods and they feel as if they were duped into yoga teacher training and then yoga teaching with the possibility of having a full-time career, only to slowly realize once they got here that wasn't really possible for most people who teach yoga in its current day and age. So let's identify some of the symptoms of complicated grief as stated by Mayo Clinic's website. And I will tell you that every time this list in front of me says, quote unquote, loved one, I'm going to substitute yoga teaching or the yoga industry. Are you ready? The signs and symptoms of complicated grief may include intense sorrow, pain, and rumination over the loss of your yoga industry. Focusing on little else but the yoga industry's death. 
extreme focus on reminders of that yoga teaching or excessive avoidance of reminders about yoga teaching. Intense and persistent longing or pining for what the yoga industry was. Problems accepting that we're no longer in that industry. Numbness or detachment. Bitterness. Feeling that life or teaching yoga holds no meaning or purpose. Lack of trust in other yoga teachers. The inability to enjoy teaching yoga or to think back of positive experiences within the industry. Complicated grief may also be indicated if you continue to have trouble carrying out normal yoga teaching duties, isolate from other yoga teachers, and withdraw from greater yoga industry activities, experience depression, deep sadness, guilt, or self-blame in regards to your experiences as a yoga teacher or within the yoga industry. Believe that you did something wrong or you could have prevented what your current experience is as a yoga teacher, yoga professional in the yoga industry. Feeling that teaching yoga isn't worth doing if it's not in the industry that we were in before. And wishing that you had quit when the yoga industry was better. I've felt some of those. Have you? The reason why I bring this up is that so many yoga professionals in my generation, and that's folks who have been practicing and teaching for, I'd say, around 20 years. We're going to go 10, 15, 20, 25 years in that range, are suffering these symptoms of complicated grief. We often grip really tightly to bitterness, to this is how it should have been ism, Snarky condescension, lack of trust in other yoga professionals, intense focus on what yoga was or what we perceived it to be, especially in regards to yoga in the 90s, and the inability to see the bigger picture about what we face as a profession for the future. In other words, we have some serious unprocessed grief to get through. Now, I am going to own my own participation in this thought cycle because I feel like it's worth me sharing that I've been here too. And I want to move forward and I'm going to do so publicly on this podcast. So here we go. I too started yoga in the 90s. I too came to yoga because it felt cool, counterculture, and something subversive to participate in. I, too, stayed because yoga studios, schools, classes, and teachers made me feel like I was quote-unquote smart and had access to inner knowledge that other people were too ignorant to seek out. Let me be clear. Counterculture has always had a top-notch marketing team, and I was swept up in those marketing messages. Maybe you were, too? I loved that while yoga was still fairly new to this country's popular lexicon, I could slide into a class or workshop with anyone, even someone famous, and we would all sweat and breathe and be together. The classes we took were in basements, back rooms, or up what felt like a thousand stairs. And once we got practicing, we all hopefully found the same universal consciousness together, and then we would leave feeling refreshed and renewed. And also, 
we would think that we were better than other people for participating in this practice too. So let's own that as well. Yoga during the 90s and early 2000s felt cool, exclusive, like a club that only people who were in the know belonged to. Today, yoga as an industry and practice is much more in the common consciousness. Yoga is added as an activity to get people to come to an event that isn't a yoga event. Our mats are in grocery stores, on discount racks, and our pants, well, (laughs) you'll know they're everywhere. And I am calling for us to grieve that this time in yoga from the 90s and the early 2000s, it's gone, long gone, and it's never coming back. And I'm going to go one step further. I don't want it to come back. Make no mistake, this era of too, for school, too cool for school-ism also endorsed a lot of culture of abuse in yoga spaces. It was the exact opposite of accessible or inclusive in every single way, except possibly monetarily. We had almost exclusively white, thin, able-bodied people coming into the practice. And now today, in 2022, we stand at the feet of our burned-down industry wondering why there are no diversity in participants or viewpoints. Well, it's because we made it that way about 30 years ago. So we need to grieve what once was in order to accept what is and to move forward. I'm also going to ask us to take a moment to grieve the 2010s, the teens, This was a time of immense wealth generation within our industry, a time where we were often packing studios corner to corner and quite often making lots of money doing it. Now, the teachers weren't necessarily the ones making a lot of money. We never really have, but there were a lot of people who were. The manufacturing sector had caught up with the fact that folks in the yoga space would spend money on their yoga practice And they made products that we snapped up. Fancy pants, mats, chakra necklaces, and so much more. (laughs) So much more. Cards, blocks, you name it. That time's also gone too. Brick and mortar spaces in the yoga industry still struggle in a post-COVID time, often due to the lack of insistence on a business foundation and knowledge that people had before entering a literal business. What I mean by that is we are not demanding that our business owners have any business foundation in order to start yoga spaces, and that is to our disadvantage. We are often told to manifest our dreams, but not necessarily pay our taxes. And I'm looking at you, Yoga for the People. We were told to be quote unquote good teachers get more certifications, and dedicate ourselves to a lifetime of yoga, and eventually, karmically, we would either become rich or at least stop caring that we were poor. Those days are gone too, I hope. I don't think there are many of us who miss those days, those days when mass industrialization wreaked havoc on our industry, creating a much less potent and more whitewashed version of the tradition that we all claim to love. But we need to grieve what is gone so that we can deal with what is and where we need to go next. So let's all take a breath and grieve together. (sighs) Finally, 
many of us need to grieve what we thought teaching yoga was going to be right was going to be like so many of us were sold this idea that if you just took enough yoga classes or signed up for that one more continuing education training that would be the key to making a living and we haven't made a living this is part of a corrupt and bankrupt training system And it is also the result of an industry that has chosen not to take a hold of the money within it. We do not have an industry that pays most of us well. We have an industry that tells us stories that actively keep us in poverty. I've said it before, and so has my friend Pooja on this podcast. Yoga professionals are in large poverty wage workers. And I want to change that. And that isn't what any of us were told when we registered for our first 200-hour yoga teacher training program. And we need to pause and grieve that too. Why grief? Why taking a moment to pause and grieve? Because without the grace that we can give ourselves in the process of letting go and grieving, we will never be able to join together to build the future that we all want to be a part of. We would continue with the yoga culture wars, the toxicity, the shame flinging, and all those things that continue to create the unmistakable freeze reflex that our industry seems to be in right now. So many of us have already fled off to find a job that doesn't crush our spirits and make us disillusioned with the world. Others still within this industry have frozen. Stillness being just an excuse for ignoring the work toward progress that needs to be made within the industry. Many, if not most of us within the yoga industry, have truly stopped fighting. Our fights were often furious and unkind. And if I'm being really honest, I sort of miss those days because I like a good fight on the internet every now and again. But we were fighting to make a broken system better. But now, in post-COVID yoga professionalism, a lot of our fight is gone. So instead, we freeze. And I'm going to propose this. Instead of freeze, let's grieve. As you're grieving, please do me a favor. Reach out to those people whom you used to know and take classes with back in the day and say, I miss you. Connect with those people you trained to be a yoga teacher with. Connect with those first students that you were with at the studio or spaces that you took yoga classes in connect. Remember the community. Remember how much you loved each other as you trained and practiced in this potent discipline. Take a beat. Grab tea with a friend. But then come back to right now and realize that that connection you want does not need to be at the sacrifice of the future we need to build. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, I'm going to be joined by my friend John Cottrell, a yoga therapist, baker, and clothing brand owner in Salt Lake City. We were talking about mental health professionals and yoga therapists, and I met John at the Yoga Teacher Conf earlier this year in Denver, and John is letting me ask the question we have all wondered while training to be a yoga therapist. Do I need to be a counselor as well? 
Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the podcast, leave a review. It really means a lot to us podcasters. If you have some feedback for me, you can always pop onto my website, www.workinginyoga.com and click that contact me link. If you're interested in supporting my work, go to that same website, workinginyoga.com and click the support button at the top. I'll see you next time.